The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. This is Marcus Aurelius, Book 3, Paragraph 5. Do not act unwillingly, nor selfishly, nor without self-examination, nor with divergent motives. Let no affectation veneer your thinking. Be neither a busy talker nor a busy body. Moreover, let the divine element within be the guardian of a real man, a man of ripe years, a statesman, a Roman, a magistrate, who has taken his post like one waiting for the retreat to sound, ready to depart, needing no oath nor any man as, a, as witness. And see that you have gladness of face, no need of service from without, nor the peace that other men bestow. You should stand upright, not be held upright. Okay, so uh, two observations, maybe three here. One is um, I think I disagree to a certain extent with the first part. So he's, I agree in principle that that uh, you shouldn't act unwillingly or selfishly or with self-examination or with divergent motives, um, like as an ideal. But uh, we hold mitokshal uh, lishma balishma, right? Or you know, or to say the full phrase, yasuk adam uva mitzvos afilushalilishma shemitokshalilishma balishma. That a person should do Torah and mitzvos. Um, even not for the right reasons, even not for their own sake, but because from doing them for not their own sake, one will come to do them for their own sake. So if a person said, uh, you know, or attempted to say, I'm not going to act with any sort of ulterior motives or any sort of uh, veneer, you know, um, I'm just going to, I'm only going to reserve proper actions for when I do them with a pure motive. So then I just don't think that that's going to work. And even if it quote unquote worked, it's not going to bring you to Lishma. I mean, I think you're just faking yourself out. So I would modify what he's saying. Um, and you know, this phrase where he says here, let no affectation veneer your thinking. So in other words, I would say you might have an affectation. You might be trying to project a certain image. You know, you might be, uh, be acting for a certain, um, uh, ulterior motive and it might even be a motive dependent on other people's opinion. But the key is to not let it affect your thinking. In other words, be honest with yourself about why you're doing it. Uh, just to use an example, Rabbi Moskowitz always used to say that um, the best lolishma ever is the lolishma of having a self-image as a chacham. Because then at least you'll do actions which chachamim would do, um, and you'll try to cultivate that public image. And even though you're being motivated by an, e- uh, an egotistical type of, uh, of, you know, uh, relative value system where you want people to look at you as a chacham, at least you'll be doing the right actions or, or in theory, you know, so that, that, that's an example of what I mean, where a person who is not learning lishma and recognizes that they're driven by all these things should embrace it, you know, realize I'm, I'm acting shalom lishma. I'm not doing this for the right reasons. I do care about what people think, but but as long as you realize that that's why you're doing it, you know, and you lean into it knowingly, and uh, that will help protect you against letting it affect your thinking. So that's one observation. Next observation has to do with this uh, thing about, um, you know, again, here he's talking about the readiness to die and the fact that you should be uh, like one who has taken his post waiting for the retreat to sound, ready to depart, needing no oath nor any man as a witness. So that reminded me of something I read last night. Um, that uh, you, I, I assume everyone's heard by now that Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs um, is battling cancer uh, and is being treated for cancer. And so that was a, that was a big, uh, I think, you know, that made the news in, in the Jewish world. But then I saw this, um, 
that uh, I, I don't know. Someone posted this on Facebook. Uh, I don't know who this Alex Israel is, but he posted an excerpt from an interview with Rabbi Sachs. Uh, and the interview says, uh, though he seldom mentions it, Sachs battled cancer twice once in his 30s and later in his 50s. Yet unlike many other rabbis and scholars of religion, from David, from Rabbi David Volpe to James Kugel, who incorporated their bouts with cancer into their theological reflections, Sachs makes no reference to it in his voluminous output. I asked why. It's very simple, he said. I saw my late father in his 80s go through four or five major operations. This was not cancer. It was hip replacements and those things. And when you have operations in your 80s, they sap your strength. He got weaker and weaker as the decade passed. He was walking on crutches at my induction. He was alive for my induction, and that was very important to me. Now, my late father, Allah Pashalam, didn't have much Jewish education, but he had enormous imuna, faith. Sachs, con uh, Sachs continued, I used to watch him sing to Hillam in the hospital, and I could see him getting stronger. It seemed to me that his mental attitude was, I'm leaving this to Hashem. If he sees that it's time for me to go, then it's time for me to go. And if he still needs me to do things here, I'll, he'll look after me. And I adopted exactly that attitude. So on both occasions, I felt, if this is the time Hashem needs me up there, thank you very much indeed for my time down here. I've enjoyed every day and feel very blessed. And if he wants me to stay and there's still work for me to do, uh, then he is going to be part of the rufua, the healing, and I put my trust in him. So there was no test of faith at any point, just these simple moments at which to say, Biado afkid ruhi, in his hand I place my soul. And that was my thought. And since we say that every, since we say that every day in Adon Olam, I didn't feel the need to write a book about it. It was for me not a theological dilemma at all. I had faith, said Sachs, full stop. So, um... We can quote a lot about the details. Uh, look, I'm personally against the, the notion of Hashem needs me up there, but that, that would be ignoring the main message. The main message here is that you see that, that Rabbi Sachs, despite the fact that he's always writing and always talking, I don't even know how many books he's published, but he's always talking about stuff. The fact that he didn't mention his struggles with cancer in the past really reminded me of this Marcus Aurelius that I read this morning, that you should be always ready to depart, needing no oath nor any man as a witness. And I think that... Uh, provides the unity um, between this and the first part of the of the paragraph, which is uh, the Aurelius striving to uh, you know to act based on his own motives and not motives that derive from other people, and then the the readiness for death at every moment. That that shouldn't be a a uh, a shalolish ma type motivation. Uh, so while I disagree with it, while while I hold that you you should you know, always do things, even Shalol Lishma, um, and just be aware of it. I, I think that this explains like what he, what the unity is in his paragraph, at least, uh, that, that the readiness for death shouldn't be an affectation that you're putting on. It should be something that is private and, uh, and is genuine.